We want to pray for this guy who's pretty sick. And I want to just take a moment, just if we could, are you, if you're fighting a bug, I can't believe how quickly the bugs are hitting Minnesota. If you're fighting a bug or you know someone who is, would you just raise your hand? Just, and then people around that, this is your opportunity, kind of, you go over and put, put your hand on them if that's okay. Ask them if it's okay. We're just going to, again, don't get the bug. Bind, we bind that bug in Jesus' name. But we, want, we just want to take a moment to pray. Can we do that? Lord, we thank you that uh, one of the things that you did over and over again when you walked this earth was you would go to people and you would heal. And then you say, those who believe in my name, they'll do greater works. So Lord, we're stepping into what you're saying. We pray for Brendan. I pray for every person who's raised their hand that in the name of Jesus, you would touch them, heal them, strengthen them. We trust you for this now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. How are you guys? Good? The snow was a little bit unnerving to me, I have to admit. <laughs> it's like, wow. Do you guys remember that snowstorm we got on Halloween years and years? Oh, my goodness. That, Lord, please, let's not do that again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, we're in the book of Romans. We're at chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. We're going to take a look at these verses, and I'm going to read them as you're turning there. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And really, as we turn to this verse, what we want to take the closest look at is this section that says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I remember as a kid, I was a Beatles fan. I guess I still am. But I, I remember... This one song the Beatles sang, and John Lennon is screaming, I'll give you everything I've got for a little peace of mind. You guys remember that scream? It's just this passionate scream came out there. I said, yeah, that kind of sums it up for all of us in this life. We're looking for a little peace of mind. And to get there, there's really two words we want to notice out of this verse. The first is mind. What is that? And then this idea of govern. Let me ask you guys this morning, what do you think mind is in the Scripture? What's the mind? Thoughts? Mm-hmm. What else? Your human mind, yep, yep. But... But go a little bit further. Define that human mind. What is, when someone says, I'm losing my mind, what do they mean? Their car keys? <laughs> the reason? Uh-huh. Sense of well-being? Yes. It, you start, once you start thinking about it, you, you start to realize this concept of a mind is a big thing, isn't it? It holds a lot of places. And the scripture talks about phreneo in the Greek, and it gets defined in a number of different ways that you've touched on this morning. Your, your opinion, 
your, your sensibility, your feelings, your will, your direction, your inclination. And all of these things could probably be summed up this way. It's the lens in which you look at life. It's how you look at the people around you. It's how you look at you. It's how you look at God. It's, that's all constituted in this idea of the mind. And Paul is saying that that lens, that mind, will be governed by something. There's going to be something that wants to take it and steer it and move it someplace. So let's think a little bit more about this. All right? Get your minds tuned in. As people, we have a spirit and a soul and a body. Is that a surprise to anybody? I mean, let's think about it a little bit more. Our soul is our thoughts and our feelings. Hopefully, you know, you're aware of the fact that you have a body. But what goes on in our soul is these thoughts and feelings and everything that encompasses that. And so those are inside of our soul. And in our spirit is Jesus and you, your will, together, living in perfect harmony, right? Life as it should be. It's just as easy. We're always getting along. We're great roommates. Until a driver cuts you off. And then you just go, be blessed as you travel on, fellow human being. Right? Your spouse shoots a look at you. And you just relax calmly. Oh, thanks for making eyes with me, my dear. Your boss tightens the deadline. To which you go, yay. Your kids do whatever your kids do. To which you say, oh, they're such a blessing from the Lord. <laughs> right? It doesn't always work that way. On your innards, in your Spirit, there's, there's all these things happening. And, and really what it looks like is you get scattered. It's why we say, I feel so scattered. I feel like it's a mess. Because what is happening is challenges hit. And when challenge hits, it really hits. We feel it in the deep parts of us when something's really troubling. And all of a sudden now there's a tug of war. Or really a tug of will. And who's going to drive now? When, when we, my, my older sisters and I, we, we tease my mom about this. She's 85 now, and she still kind of giggles about it. But when she would take us out uh, to learn how to drive, have you guys ever done that for anybody? You know, take them out after driving? I remember we had a ministry. We were ministering to international students at the University of Wisconsin River Falls, and there was a bunch of Taiwanese students that were there. And there was this one Taiwanese guy I don't know why he chose this name, but he chose the name Marvin as his American name. And Marvin asked me if I would teach him to drive. And I, I said, I think so. So anyhow, we're, we're driving. And River Falls is a smaller town. But I had no idea that Marvin would take me so literally. Because, you know, when you're talking with somebody, you say, well, up here you're going to want to take a left. And most people are thinking, yeah, well, you can take a left. But if you would say to Marvin, take a left, he would immediately start turning left. So, you know, you're like, stop, stop. My mom would feel that same angst. And so when, when she would take us out driving, you would hear this sound. Of her, it'd say, Mom, you don't have a break. <laughs> to which she would say, but I can pretend, can I? 
I guess so, Mom. But the real question that we want to know is like, when this hits, how, how do we pull ourselves together? How do we step in? And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans 8. He's saying, I want you to understand because the, the challenge is how he sees it is going to be different than me. And so sometimes that challenge is there, and there I am, and I'm looking at it, and I've got one version of it. It's like when Brennan's talking about giving. Oh, no, it's $1,500 short. Panic, panic, panic. But the Spirit of God is saying, no. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. This is a great opportunity. And what has to happen is there has to be this sense of, I am going to move close to him. He is already with me. And we're going to take a new perspective, a new look at what this really looks like. But this creates all kinds of tension for us, does it not? You have those moments where you're like, I'm going to punch him in the nose. But the Holy Spirit says, love your enemies. You have those moments where you go, oh, forget them. The Holy Spirit says, love one another. You have those moments where you say, that's it, I'm done. The Holy Spirit says, be patient with everyone. Do you know the Bible says that? 1 Thessalonians 5.14, take a look. It's there. This is my all-time favorite. Oh, I'm not doing that. Verses, do everything without complaining or arguing. Philippians 2.14. Ouch! Are these truths meant to torment us? Tease us? Dangle us over the precipice of life? What's the idea? The idea is it's meant to gather us and to bring us under his understanding. The way in which God works is very, very different. And it requires the cooperation of our will. Have you, I've been revisiting the Sunday school stories of the Old Testament. If you've not done that lately, you should. I mean, there are so many great stories, but they're all weird One of my favorite Old Testament stories is with the prophet Elijah. And there's trouble in the land. And there's this face, this false religion that's got Israel gripped, Baal. And he he, he does the Old West showdown. He goes, okay, you boys get your God. I'm bringing my God. We're going to do an offering. We're going to see what's going to happen. And this happens right in the time when there's an extreme drought in an already dry and arid place. And so the prophets of Baal come and they, they do all their chants and all their dances and all their rituals and all the things. And Elijah's kind of standing off, teasing them a little bit. I mean, he had a good time with it. Where's your God? Maybe he's on vacation. There's even a phrase in the Hebrew that could be that he said, maybe he's in the bathroom. You know, so they're teasing a little bit. And then they say, fine, your turn. And what Elijah does, and I think he's being directed by the Lord, he calls for water to be poured on his campfire. How many of you camp? How many of you know how to start a campfire? How many start with big buckets of water? He does it once, twice, three times. He tells people to pour water on it. That's weird. What happens, people? Kaboom. It's just crazy the stuff that God asked people to do. Joshua. 
going into the most fortified city in the known world. They need to move in. Can you imagine as Joshua and the leaders of his army get together? Okay, huddle. What are we going to do? All right, here's what God said. We're going to go in and we're going to walk around the building seven times. And they're looking at him like, what? And then we're going to shout. Woo. <laughs> People, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. Does God show up? Right. See, that's the challenge. When we're looking at it through our own lens and we're thinking, this is how it is, we're missing an opportunity to see God do something that's unbelievable. But we have to position our wills. And when our wills are gathered, it's life as it should be. Our, we're under his rulership. We're under his governance. The kingdom of heaven rules. It's not far off. When Jesus comes, he comes as a living representation of this is what heaven's like. And as he walks, all kinds of heaven breaks out. It's what heaven rules. It's not what the earth rules. There's a demon. You don't rule here anymore. Heaven's here. You're gone. There's a woman bleeding for years and years and years. She just reaches out and touches a little bit of heaven. Gone. Lame, blind, deaf, dumb. Gone. Because it's life as it should be. But now as spirit God carriers, as people who are moving, this is the temple. This is the temple. You're the parts of the temple. You're carrying the spirit of God. God is waiting to see you come under that order. And a lot of times that happens when we're being challenged in our will and we have to trust him and cooperate. I saw this firsthand over the last month. I met with a couple who are pastors, and they were in a bad way. When they came in, they were distressed, disconnected. They were on the ready of divorce. They had all kinds of issues that were going on. And honestly, you guys, I had played my principles and the cards that I knew to play, and I found myself just going, this is going to require a miracle. But when you're sitting in those situations, they're not anything. I don't have a, a magic wand. I don't, I don't have a secret phrase that all of a sudden puts them back together. It really came down to the issue of their will. And both of them had their heels in the ground, and they were unwilling. But God acts in strange and mysterious ways, does he not? Everything was coming to a head. They had a number of different things, including someone in their family that all of a sudden uh, they found out was an alcoholic and they're going to have to get that person into treatment. They got the tension between themselves. They got someone who's getting married. They got all this activity going on. And in the midst of it, she, Lisa, finds out on, the, on this, uh, her husband's computer that he's looking at things that he shouldn't be. And it explodes. It's a tense moment. You talk about challenge. He's got his challenges. She's got hers. But at this moment, everything in her was like, that's it. That's the last straw. We're done. It's over. We're finished. And she works nights. So she went to her job, mad as a hornet, determined that I am filing. It's through. And what's interesting, when these moments happen, 
all of a sudden, how God moves and how he changes things, you start to make more sense of Scripture, certain phrases, buzzwords, things like, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. You, that, you can read that and you go, well, that's really kind of poetic, whatever. But you see, in this moment, she's stomping into work. And she, she's just a person who's got to kind of do a watching job. And she's watching the screens, but she is still so angry. And still so sure that she has every reason to call it quits. And as she sits down to her job, all of a sudden, there's a sense of God moving close. You ever have that? Where God sneaks up on you? You don't know why, but you sense his presence. And you need his presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. And in that moment, all of a sudden, she realized the spirit within her was challenging the spirit that she had, the determination. What would she do? She could have went, we're not talking now. I've already made up my mind. But she said to me, she goes, it was strange, because in that moment, I found myself calming myself, quieting myself. You see, because we're three pieces, body, soul, and spirit, if your soul is agitated and your body is aggravated, it's really hard to hear God. Brendan's not really feeling very well. His body's out of sorts. He said to me this morning, it's, just, it's hard to feel close to God when your body's sick. Can I get an amen? You just, you just feel disconnected. The same thing happens when you're aggravated. When you're worried, when you're frustrated, your body is activated. And it's our job to quiet it. It's our choice. You see what the psalmist says? I have. We have. We're the carriers of it. And sometimes we have to say, Spencer, sit down here and be quiet. Be still. Do you know how to do that? That's why the spiritual disciplines of stillness and quiet, solitude are so important because you're practicing and getting ready. And you won't begin to even hear what the Spirit has to say if you're all agitated. Then in that moment, what happened was she did a second spiritual principle that brought her in connection with the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Oh, we love to hear wait. Give me the longest line, Lord. The slowest lane of traffic. This is lovely. I can't wait for the Christmas shoppers at the malls. We don't like to wait, but here's the deal. I've talked for years with people when I, when I sit in the council room that we have this grace space. There's this place where we really do have an opportunity. God gives us this window to go, what are you going to do? Are you going to go with me or without me? What are you going to do? And, and neuroscientists have actually proven this, that when they look at people that are making difficult and challenging choices based on values, there actually is a window, 
of space. And good Christian practices stick your foot in that door. And it starts to get a little bit bigger. You start to feel a little bit freer. Ladies and gentlemen, I am full of wear. I mean, look at me. I know what Mark Spencer can do. I can get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> this is the result. <laughs> but when you s- stop and go, okay, there's the grace space. I'm stepping into this grace space. Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want to move? In Brendan's story, which is a great story, they, they, they stepped into the gray space when they sat down. See, they calmed themselves. They were going, ah, we're, we're short of money, we're short of money. No, quiet. Wait. Have you noticed in God's love that when you're in a really tough time, he maximizes it. He doesn't like to have us spinning on the potter's wheel. It's necessary. And oftentimes he waits until the midnight hour. When you get to be old like me, you go, oh, I know. I'll call you back, God, at 11.59. He's not doing that to be mean. He's doing that because he wants to maximize the moment. He wants you to really understand. I am the God who says what he says and can do what he says. And so Lisa is waiting. In this moment now, she's quieting. She's stilling. She's starting to make her will slow down. And in that moment, this happens. She says, Lord, what do you, what do you want to do? The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And so oftentimes, we're not aware of what God wants to do because we rush right by it. We react. We don't respond. And in that moment, what God wants to do is give me a space. I'll I'll give you what you need to know. So much of it doesn't make sense to us. So much of it doesn't appear like, oh, don't you care about me? You're throwing me under the bus. Don't you realize we're 1,500 bucks short? I remember when we were planting a church in River Falls and I was in graduate school. We had two and a half kids I was working two jobs, plus pastoring the church, plus going to graduate school. There just wasn't any more that I could possibly do. And, and no matter what we did, we, we still had this gap, like Brendan and Shan had this gap. And we encountered the same thing. I mean, in the gap, I was trying to fill it, and then God spoke to me, and he said, No, I am the Lord who provides. Do you trust me? And you know, it's really easy to read it in the Bible and go, Oh, for sure I trust you, God, you bet. But in my spirit, the center of my will, I didn't. But finally, I got so exhausted that I had to open up my hands and say, you know what, Lord, you're just going to have to fill the gap. The day that happened was the day that someone came to me and said, I've been praying for you. I said, well, thank you. He said, no, I really have. And I said, well, that's great. He said, and when I pray for you, I know I'm supposed to sponsor you. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I'm supposed to give you money. Oh, I like that. Keep praying. (laughs) Keep praying for me. How much are you supposed to give me? And the amount that he said was exactly the gap that we had. And for three months it worked perfect. He was right on time. And then the fourth month happened. Oh, the fourth month, people. Rent came due. 
short. I say to our landlord, Joe, I'm, I'm good for the rent. It's coming. I know. You're a good guy. I, I trust you. Okay. Day two, Joe, it's, it's coming. Day three, it's not here. What's going on, Lord? And then, of course, you know, you're, you're sorting. I, I must have really done something bad. I've sinned so terribly. Nothing. And, and if you're not convicted, you're not convicted. It's not that I'm free from sin, but there was nothing that God was correcting. Fifth day, guy shows up at my door. Mark, Dave. He goes, I'm really sorry. He gives me this envelope. He goes, I forgot to put this in the mail. Oh, I'm going to hug you. I just love you so much. But you see, in those moments, my understanding falls short. I need God's understanding. And in this moment, Lisa's sitting there. She's quieted herself. She's stilled herself. She's starting to calm down. And she started to realize some things. My husband's caught. My husband grew up in a family where this was normal. He's trapped. And she started to see her husband through the Lord's eyes. Not making right what was wrong, but it was a whole different sense. If Jesus, the perfect one, can walk right up to sinners and gather them into and have lunch with them. And she realized she was so judgmental and so critical and so done. She was ready to put him in a bucket and send him down the river. And she was feeling convicted now in this new place of understanding where she, she realized, oh God, I, I, I didn't see it this way. You know what the Lord said to her? I know. You do now. Now what do you want to do? And she said, I want to trust you. I want to trust you. You guys, in 37 years of working with marriages, I have never seen such an impossible marriage go from zero to 900. When they came in and they sat in that little room that we do counseling in, there's the couch there. My goodness. It was like, would you quit snuggling? Stop it. And at first I thought, have you been drinking? <laughs> and then, I, you, you know, when you look in the eyes of the window of the soul, something had changed. And I said, you guys, what's changed? You know what he said? We've decided to surrender. We've decided to surrender. I said, it hurts so good, doesn't it? They said, yeah. You see, God's not trying to be a mean God. But in that moment, what great joy. Because what happens, the reason God smiles as he looks at it, and this is an interesting picture. Those are birds. I'm a bird guy now, so. <laughs> what do you think, Tom? It's kind of cool. <laughs> but how God loves it. Romans 12 will get you. This is his desire. This is what true worship is. What? That we become living sacrifice. Egad. No, no, no. It's that moment where we, with all of our will, with all of our determination, decide to say, here, here, I trust you. I trust you. You. You take it. You're trustworthy. I'm not so trustworthy. And what Paul is saying is if you want to experience life and peace, real life, the fullness, the restfulness, the peace, the shalom, the world as it should be, God and man, God and creation, if you want to experience that, it comes by partnership. 
Learning to calm yourself. To give a waiting space where God can fill it with his understanding and you can see life as you should. And he is always inviting us. Always will be inviting us into that space. I was thinking about a story. Brendan's often telling stories about his little ones. I remember when my oldest boy, Joel, was probably about a little bit older than Emmett's age. And we had a sandbox, and that was Joe's domain. He had trucks, you know, and he was always building stuff. And I don't know how this happened, but somehow a big rock got into his sandbox. And so he went out to play. He looked at this rock in his sandbox, and it was a pretty big rock. And so he put his foot on it and didn't move. And then I'm watching him, and he's kind of trying to rock it. Didn't move. So then he's... And he's got his little sand shovel, trying to use it as a lever. I thought, that's good physics, you know. No. And he's... And I'm just watching him. And all of a sudden, I think in this, this is a teachable moment. So I go down. I said, Joe, how's it going? Three-year-old rage. Looks like that rock's pretty big, huh? Yeah. Looks like you can't get it out. Yeah. Have you used all your resources, Joe? Yeah. I said, have you? He said, what do you mean? And I said, well, have you used me? Have you asked me? No. I said, Joe, there's going to be times in your life where you run into some big rocks you can't move. We'll get mad. Make sure you use all your resources. There's someone far bigger than me who wants to move them with you. That's what Paul's saying. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. It comes to us sometimes in really unusual packages. But I pray for us this morning, no matter where we are, no matter what the rocks are, the challenges are, whatever the changes are, whatever the things are, Lord, would you help us? Help us to settle ourselves in your presence, to wait for you, to gain understanding, and to partner with you. We know, Lord, if we will, we find true life and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. top of grace more than I've asked for more than I'm worth grace on top of grace how sweet the sound once lost now found heaven came down and grace rescued me, hallelujah, I am free.
from my sin and penalty at the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace Lord how you love me out of desert grace on top of grace more than I've asked for more than I'm worth grace on top of grace how sweet the sound once lost now found heaven came down and grace rescue me hallelujah I am free from my sin and penalty at the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace with your grace on top of grace Oh, 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 Once lost, now found Heaven came down And grace rescued me How sweet the sound Once lost, now found Heaven came down and grace rescue me how sweet the sound once lost now found heaven came down and grace rescued me hallelujah I am free from my sin you took my place with your grace on top of grace hallelujah I am free from my sin and penalty at the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace with your grace on top of grace with your grace on top of grace with your grace on top of grace